0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. On this fourth Sunday of Lent, which the Church calls Laetare Sunday because of the introit, we are invited to take a small pause from the very strict penitential observances which we have been enduring, and to anticipate, to a certain degree, the joys of the coming Solemnity of Easter. We rejoice at the coming victory that Christ will win over Satan on the cross on Good Friday, and which will be consummated in his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And this is appropriate for us as well to contemplate the mitigated, the tempered penitential spirit of this day. Because if Easter, as many of the commentators and fathers tell us, represents eternal life, The different liturgical feasts represent different mysteries of our faith and the different stages of our faith journey. Easter representing eternal life and bliss in heaven, our own resurrections along with Christ's. Then Lent represents the Valley of Tears in which we currently labor. And this Valley of Tears is not meant to be entirely bitter or without joy. The cross is supposed to bring us not only sadness, sorrow, suffering, penance, etc., but also it is a foretaste of heaven because the cross is within God's holy will for each one of us. It is by the cross that we are united to Jesus Christ and that we complete that which is lacking, as it were, in his sufferings, as St. Paul tells us. There is, of course, nothing objectively lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the redemption of the world. His sacrifice on the cross of his own life is superabundant in procuring for us all the graces we need for our sanctification and our salvation. Nevertheless, Christ wills to unite us to himself and to confer on us a certain causality, a certain participation in the work of our redemptions. He, in his great goodness to us, elevates our humble little acts of offering and suffering when they're united to his own and confers on them a very great dignity in order to make them effective at bringing us to eternal life. St. Augustine tells us, he who created you without you will not redeem you without your cooperation. For this reason, in each mass, the priest is commanded to mingle a small quantity of water with the wine and the chalice before the consecration. If a priest were to have a chalice with only water and pronounce these sacred words of transubstantiation over it, that water would not become the blood of Christ because water of itself is not the proper matter for the sacrifice of the mass. Wine is required. But wine without water would be a valid consecration even though it would not be licit. This symbolizes the fact that we of ourselves, who are represented by the drop of water, are nothing. Without Christ, our sufferings are meaningless and pointless. But if we unite our sufferings to Jesus Christ by sanctifying grace, by allowing the Holy Trinity to dwell in our souls, then those sufferings take on an infinite value, united as they are to the cross of Jesus Christ. Christ invites each one of us to mount the cross and to suffer on it along with him. And therefore, each suffering that Christ sends to you and to me in our lives are willed by him for our good. There is a lot of potential spiritual energy and power within the difficulties, which can sometimes seem unbearable in this life, But if we offer them up, then they are transformed and they transform us. They expiate our sins and they have power to save us and many others. They have power to sanctify the world. Even the great sufferings that the church is enduring today, both from within and without, are transformed by this power of the cross. The cross with Jesus upon it transforms the misery and the darkness and the evil of this world and turns them into something redemptive and valuable in God's sight. The holy sacrifice of the Mass is a reenacting of the very sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Upon this altar, each time a priest offers Mass, the blood of Jesus Christ is mystically separated from his body, even though they are forever united in heaven Insofar as the priest is able, he separates the two by the power of the words of transubstantiation. We should think about this as we head towards the most holy time of the year, this coming Passion Tide, when the Church will go into a period of mourning for the loss of her Savior. It is not through a want of sin that Jesus doesn't have to die again, but only because his death once was... Superabundantly sufficient and adequate for the redemption of all sin. But every year we repeat this mysterious cycle of the passion, death and resurrection of Christ. And we should look at this as though through the eyes of faith, as though it were taking place yet again before us. Because in the past year, if we sinned, St. Paul tells us we crucify the Lord again in our hearts and make him a mockery. Because the sins that we commit each and every day need expiation. The blood has already been shed for those sins, it is true, on the cross. But that same blood needs to be applied to us. And it is applied in the holy sacrifice of the altar when we receive Holy Communion, it is applied in the holy sacrament of penance when we confess our sins with true contrition. And it is applied when we suffer ourselves and suffer with resignation and even joy, accepting the crosses that God the Father sends to us as good, humble, obedient children to his will. Christ gives us the example of this. He longed for the hour of his passion. He, longed, he, has a bapt, he said, I have a baptism with which to be baptized and how I am straightened until it is accomplished. He said, with desiring, I have desired to eat this pasque with you before I suffer. He wished to accomplish the mission that God the Father had given to him, and he wished for that with an ardent and earnest longing. This is hard for us to understand. Jesus Christ enjoyed the beatific vision because he is the second person of the blessed Trinity, and he enjoyed this vision even on the cross. He enjoyed the bliss of beholding the face of God himself. Nevertheless, his perfect joy was compatible with the most severe suffering and sorrow of soul imaginable, and he endured that for your salvation and mine. So as we suffer our little crosses to participate in his big cross, let us remember to try to do so in a spirit of holy joy, of holy serenity, according to the example and pattern that Christ himself gives us. As he took up and embraced his cross willingly, we should also take up and embrace our crosses and sufferings willingly each and every day, knowing that they are perfectly calibrated by God the Father for our betterment, for our salvation. And even the many trials and tribulations that the church is experiencing today even all of the bad, evil things we see in the world around us today. All of this, Jesus Christ will make new and transform when he comes at the end of the world. Behold, I make all things new, he says to us in the book of Revelation. He makes all things new, including that which is the most dark, the most bleak, and the most apparently terrible in the world's existence. So let us unite ourselves to Jesus who makes all things new and put our trust in his divine providence, which alone has the power to turn even evil into something better. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, says St. Paul. Let us renew our faith in this divine providence of God who who can write straight with crooked lines and turn all things to the good of those who love him. May our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Sorrows, teach us to value and cherish the cross and not to flee from it amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen